Hey there, it's not Monday, so you probably weren't expecting to hear from me today, but we've got a bonus episode of Sorting Pen. If you listened to our two previous episodes on traceability and Monday's episode with an interview from staff at the Public Lands Council, you'll know that CCA leadership and many others from California traveled to New Orleans at the start of the month for the Cattle Industry Convention and NCPA Trade Show. From my time at the annual meeting, I have two other interviews with Californians who are actively participating in the event that I want to share, and those are going to make up this bonus episode. The first interview is with immediate past CCA President Tony Toso. Tony joins me to talk about his new role as vice chair of NCBA's International Trade Committee and the priorities that this policy committee is working on. And in the second half of this episode, you'll hear from UC Davis PhD student in the Department of Animal Science, Sebastian Mejia Tercios, who spoke about advocating for the industry at NCBA's Cattle Chats booth in the trade show and was one of 10 advocates in the Beef Checkoff's 2021 Trailblazer program. Welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pen. Thanks for tuning in. We are still in New Orleans, catching up with some of the Californians at the event, participating in meetings with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and in the trade show. And today we have someone that's no stranger to the podcast. We have Tony Toso. Who dat? Who dat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brand new to the podcast. Yeah, there we go. Well, it's great. It's great to be uh, here in New Orleans with you, Katie. And fun to do, a, do another episode or yeah. part of an episode. We always, I always appreciate you making time to do the episodes. Today, we wanted to chat, for those of you maybe that haven't listened to previous episodes, Tony just went out as CCA president just a couple months ago in December, um, but we didn't let him rest too long. We've got him back on the podcast and he's pretty busy these days. I know he's on other boards and part of other organizations, but on behalf of NCBA, he's serving on the International Trade Committee as a vice chair. So congratulations on that, Tony. Thank you, Katie, very much. Yeah, thank you again for serving. I know you just had your policy meeting and I wanted to talk with you a little bit. Um, I see your NCBA staff member that chairs that committee, Kent Bach is over there, but I wanted to talk a little bit about what types of issues you're working on that committee and then kind of what your meeting was like today. I got in Sunday and immediately on Monday morning, we started working or I was a part of a binational working group, which was uh, representatives from the U.S. and Mexico and different issues that uh, were, were talked about were foot and mouth disease, traceability, tuberculosis, brucellosis, fever ticks protocol for crossing the border and those types of things. So it was it was pretty interesting and they had that broken out into segments. So we met as U.S. producers while the Mexican entourage met in, in their group. Uh, then we spoke with USDA officials and then we combined together. And then we did that again uh, Monday and part of Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we had a trilateral meeting where we uh, included Canada in the discussion. So they were similar issues. The foot and mouth disease issue is probably the most concerning that I came away with. It's uh, pretty concerning when you um, start to think about the ramifications of what it could do. And I think it's incumbent upon us to be prudent. And so learning some new things here and being exposed to some new situations and how things transpire, that got my attention probably more than anything. This obviously isn't your first NCBA convention. No. It's not mine. Um, but I had no. no idea those types of meetings happened beforehand, even in the same location as the event. Yeah. Actually, Mark and I got to do one several years ago in San Antonio. We did the trilateral with the uh, 
Canadians and Mexicans, and it was it was pretty interesting to to listen to some of it. But this time coming into this, there was some prep to it. You know, here's what's going to be discussed, and this and that, and it made for some pretty interesting listening. We're going to be talking about traceability a lot. We're going to have a full episode on it. Dr. Tom Talbot's going to come kind of update us on some of the myths about traceability of the proposed rule from USDA and kind of NCBA and CCA policy on it. But it has been a big topic of conversation so far this week, along with foot and mouth disease. I know NCBA, one of their priorities is getting the vaccine bank into the farm bill, the importance of that. What other issues or maybe how important is this to your policy committee? What kind of drives the conversations? Well, that is important. And one thing I didn't mention that is it just happened. I think this morning, Kent Vakas mentioned that the product of the USA label is going to be put out here in short order and it's going to be open for the comment period. So the FSIS food safety label that has been just discussed to great lengths. I guess they've finally come to a a draft of that language. Nobody knows what it is yet, but it should be coming out shortly and the comment period will be open. So who knows where we're going to be with that, but that's going to be pretty interesting to see what comes about from that, that discussion. Yeah, that has been confusing. I know it's been in the media a lot um, about how confusing it is. So does NCBA have a take on it or do we know what comments they're going to be making on it? You know, nothing nothing concrete was stated and primarily because they just don't know what's in it. It's, sure, it's yeah. gone from, there's been some voluntary discussion, uh, that type of thing, but till this thing gets put out there for everybody to start firing away at, it's probably a bit premature. I know there's some discussion of trying to bring back MCOOL, so that's kind of out there as well. There's a Senate bill that uh, is proposing that, so Again, not sure where that's going. We know what NCBA's position will be on that. We're not going to be supportive of anything that's going to be prohibitive to, you know, or, or involve mandatory solutions. We're, we're trying to look for market-derived solutions to, to do or conduct our business under. There's a lot of moving parts to it and a lot of arrows that, that a lot, you know, we could sit down and <clears throat> we could spend a day or maybe two or a week or yeah. so uh, debating the points of it. But the the bottom line is, is if that gets reenacted, there's retaliatory tariffs to the tune of about a billion dollars that can be enacted and enforced by both Mexico and Canada on our producers. And that will not be a good. And that's tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to it, Katie. It's quite the quite the issue or the 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 cards or dominoes, however you want to look at it, that'll fall over if if that were to happen. So you get to do um, this vice chair position for the next two years? Yeah. Yes. And what exactly does that consist of? I mean, these are some of the issues you work on. I'm sure there's other ones. What does that mean for you over the next two years? Well, it's it's going to be primarily as far as travel schedule be here in Orlando next year and then summer meeting in San Diego. Uh, we did an orientation meeting. They put on a, and I guess this is the first one they've had since COVID, but I was fortunate to be able to come to Washington in uh first part of the January of January and uh, go through an orientation training you know uh, parliamentary procedure what happens what's going on that kind of thing to get you familiarized with the process that type of thing very impressed with how that works and this was all the from I think there's seven different committees and these were chairs and vice chairs from those committees working with staff 
but it's all producers. It's a it's grassroots. There's ranchers, feedlot people, backgrounders. That the whole nine yards. It was um, really a, a a pretty neat experience. That does sound neat to get to interact with the different yeah. um, committee chairs and people sure. from across the U.S. Other than that, unrelated to your committee, any other big takeaways you'd like to share with producers at home that couldn't make it from this week so far? From what we did in California and like taking, for example, the um, the price discovery subcommittee that's still in place and we got started a couple of years ago and all the time and effort that went into learning and working through how price discovery happened, market transparency, those types of things. The opportunity to come in and be a part of this committee with how international trade affects things coming back to the domestic market, you know, the $450 you mentioned, that type of thing, and how that benefits producers. You know, if you need, if you want to move beef, if you want to have marketplace out there to sustain ranchers, you've got to be able to keep, you know, expanding your markets and that type of thing. I'm really excited about the opportunity to be able to be a part of that, learn that process, take information from all my friends in California and from other places across the country now that are going to be able to help develop that policy and help keep, you know, the ranching industry moving forward. So I'm really kind of jazzed about that. I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to the education process on that because one, one thing I'm already starting to see, and, and I think any of us really kind of have it figured out, that there's always unintended consequences for most moves we make. Sure. You know, you're kind of in a risk management game. It's really interesting to see the different ramifications that you get exposed to. Is to, hey, if I do A, what happens over here for B? So I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to, to learn from that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to learning from you. I think even just hearing, I mentioned Kent Baucus, uh, NCBA staff member that yeah. leads this. Yeah. You're just talking about how he's like a walking dictionary or encyclopedia or stat, exactly. stat factory, whatever you want to call it. But sure. he was just rambling off a few, just about how much we import, how much lean trimmings we import, how much we export. Like you said, every decision they make has some type of yeah, and decision the diff- on something else. Exactly. One decision might be made and it looks like it impacts one entity one way, but it's really a message being sent to somebody in the background that, hey, don't do this or, yeah. you know, this is what we'll do. And it's it's fascinating to sit there and start absorbing this. And I'm just barely into it. So I'm really excited about the opportunity to, you know, be exposed to more of that. One other thing Kent was talking about was the opportunity we have in Britain since they exited. I know NCBA has been trying to get in there and they've been having meetings. So I'll be interested to hear more about that as those meetings continue. Yeah, the EU and, you know, Britain exiting the EU, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So while they are not a part of the EU anymore, their tendencies, and that's that's something that was also kind of a wow eye-opener, so to speak, was our, a lot of our roots come from Europe, and it's pretty interesting to see how vastly different we view production agriculture with all the commonalities we have just from our roots and that type of thing. So they're very green-based, emotion-based. Decisions are made on 
quite frankly, sounds like feel-good policy as opposed to being science-based on what they're trying to do. So we have an uphill climb, but there is opportunity there, and we're hopeful to try and make something happen. Yeah, I think that's hopefully going to be a really good thing moving forward, and I think Kent called it a significant opportunity. So hopefully <laughs> next year at this time. Yeah, maybe uh, you'll have some When we sit down, things. you'll have a whole new vocabulary and stats to throw out to us. Sure. From all your learning. We do appreciate you serving. It's always nice to um, see California super well represented at NCBA's meetings. And Dave Daly's been a chair. Tim Copeman's been a chair. Now you're a chair. So thank you for serving. And thank you, as always, for being on the podcast. And Anytime. All your time in New Orleans. Absolutely. Anytime, Katie. Always enjoy okay. it. Well, welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pin. We're here at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana. We're happy today to speak with someone from California who's part of a pretty unique program with NCBA's Trailblazers program, which is a brand new program. I'm going to let Sebastian, who is sitting here with me now, explain uh, what this beef checkoff program is. First of all, thanks for sitting down with me, Sebastian. I'll have you introduce yourself and just say a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, thanks for having me, Katie. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. For me, uh, I am from Honduras originally. I was born and raised there. Uh, and then I did my undergrad in Costa Rica in agronomy. I was always passionate about cattle. I wanted to pursue a career uh, in that. So I decided to come to the U.S. and uh, pursue grad, uh, graduate education. I got my master's degree at Texas Tech in animal science. And then I I got very interested in, uh, you know, cattle and climate and how we could uh, work towards reducing the environmental impact of uh, cattle production. And so that's how I ended up coming to UC Davis, where I'm doing my PhD, going into my fourth year. And, you know, it's been great. So I was going through my PhD. I wanted to get more involved with the industry. Um, You know, when you're in grad school, you sort of get... You know, in this bubble of just like research and just doing your your things for school, and I wanted to just see what's out there. You know, what the industry is doing, build up my network, and that's how I ended up uh, talking to Chandler. Chandler and I met back in 2019. We were part of a fellowship together, and we became friends. And then he uh, started working with NCBA, and he talked to me about this program, the Trailblazers. Um, you know, and he said that. It was a great opportunity for me to, you know, not only connect with the, with the industry and people in the industry, and but also improve my communication skills. And that's something that I really want to work on and improve uh, because as a scientist, I think communication is very important to be able to disseminate the information, uh, not just for other scientists, but also for, you know, consumers and producers. So that's how I got involved with the Trailblazer. Program. Yeah, thanks yeah. for that background. I think science communication is really important. I'm not going to go through a whole paper and understand it. But um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Sebastian is pretty active on social media. Um, and he has accounts that really boil things down um, into quick videos, quick little takeaways. Mm-hmm. For example, have a video that says something like it'll have a percentage and say this amount of cattle, cattle produce this many emissions. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not a lot to read and it's just quick to absorb, um, which I appreciate. How many people are in the Trailblazers program? Fourteen. We have we have ten people. Ten, okay. Yeah, ten, but only six were able to make it to to the convention, unfortunately. But along with Sebastian, uh, Marky Hegman Jones mm-hmm. from Girls Eat Beef Too, yeah. also a Californian, got to be part of this inaugural program. Now that you've kind of gone through the whole year, what has been your favorite part or what, what have you learned that you think you'll really take away moving forward? 
um, and implement. Well, my favorite part has been, uh, you know, building the relationship with my fellow trailblazers. It's been great, you know, becoming friends with them and really connecting and learning and learning from their family histories, what they do and, you know, what they're trying to pursue uh, with their careers. Definitely the best part of, of the program was building that relationship with them. And so from the program, really having that perspective of the industry, you know, just being having better connection with it, knowing what's possible, you know, what the industry is doing and, and, and just having that, you know, that perspective, like I said. I know that moving forward now and as I do my research for the last uh, year of my PhD, hopefully. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's just one more year. Having that, you know, the idea of the perspective of how the industry is working, having that in mind is, is very important uh, you know, as, I, as I move along with my, with my program at, at school. I know you and your group did a lot of time um, practicing media interviews. Mm -hmm. What did that kind of look like? Did Chandler and the checkoff team present you guys with information about the beef industry first? Did you learn how to communicate with the media? What was kind of the process of learning how to get comfortable talking more about the issues of the industry? There was one thing that they emphasized quite a bit, and it was always leaning to our stories, you know, what we do and why we do it. And so to me, the reason why I do it is because I want to communicate science. So I try to stick to that lane, to that line, and then, you know, just follow that path and, and, and continue to communicate the, the science. Um, but definitely teaching us how to do this kind of stuff, you know, talk to the media and I stand in front of a camera and give a, uh, you know, an interview. That's something that you definitely need training for. And they literally took us to the Cattleman studio at the NCBA headquarters and they sat us in front of a camera and interviewed us. And that's something that I had never done in my life. And so that was quite an experience and very, very cool, if you, you know, if, yeah, if, I, if I'm being honest. They really emphasized a lot on just how to deal with the media, you know, how to take those hard questions. That's the main thing, taking the hard questions and being, um, you know, calm and collected and just because, you know, when they ask, when they try to, they question what they do, you know, sometimes emotions can, can take the best of us. And so they really uh, did a great job at telling us how to navigate those hard questions and how to stay, you know, professional, remain professional and just be uh, a good representative of the industry. So yeah, speak, I think yeah. that hands-on experience is really important. I think it's easy to watch TV and say, yeah. oh, that news anchor is messing up or whatever. Yeah. But when someone turns the camera oh, on in boy. front of you, it's a totally different experience. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. And hopefully um, in your next year, hopefully just a year, yeah. at UC Davis you'll be able to use that and hopefully we can call on you a little bit if we get media calls. In my lab with uh, Dr. Mitt Lohner, uh, as you know, you've have, you've had him in the podcast. Uh, he's a great communicator, so we have him, and he's always talking to us and telling us the importance to be a good communicator. It's not about the social media, you know. He, he's he's big on social media and, and and things like that, but he's more about being a good communicator of the science. Yeah. So he, he he puts a lot of importance on that. And also we have the Clear Center, you know, with Joe Proudman as the associate director, and he's a great communicator too. So we, we're very fortunate to have these people to teach us how to do these things. Since I joined the lab at UC Davis, communication has been something that I I saw as an opportunity for me to become better at. In my mind, you know, this is my personal opinion, I would do a, a disservice to, to the industry, you know, to, to know all this stuff, you know, all this scientific information and not 
try to you know put it out there for other people you know to to know about and that's why i started the social media you know stuff that i do on every now and then yeah yeah absolutely yesterday we got to hear from taylor sheridan mm -hmm. one of the co-authors of yellowstone and he was actually talking about very similar thing in a yeah. different way about all this negative information was coming out about the beef industry and he yeah. wanted to change it and make cowboying cool again and felt like he had to get the information out there and that's why he created Yellowstone. So I appreciate you being willing to even take that extra effort to put out the information and clearly communicate about your science. And yeah. I know that you'll continue to do great things with the Clear Center and the rest of your time at UC Davis. Yeah, of course. What, if you had a vision or a crystal ball or a plan for after graduation, where do you think you're going to end up? What would you like to be doing once you're no longer studying <laughs> yeah. so much? That's a million dollar question. Everybody <laughs> asks me that, you know, what's next? You know, what's after you know, your PhD? And I think, I don't know where I'm going to end up. You know, I know that I would really enjoy uh, having a role within the industry. I don't think being a professor is, it's my calling. Uh, I've been a, a teaching assistant at UC Davis a couple of times, and it's rewarding to teach students when they're, you know, they're passionate about what you're teaching and things like that. But I don't think the classroom is my my environment. You know, sure. I I thrive uh, more being out there talking to producers, talking to people in the industry, doing these kind of these kinds of things. I was recently invited to give a talk uh, up in Oregon, in Metford, Oregon, for the Jackson County Stockman's Association. And that was really rewarding, you know, it was a small group of producers. I talked to them about cattle and climate and they were they were very engaging, really in, interested and very grateful for telling them all this, all this information. And that was extremely rewarding. So I really enjoyed that. And so now that, that the industry is really taking a lot of interest in sustainability and yeah. you know uh, moving forward in that in that area I think there will be great opportunities for me to to take a role in that I know we had you at our young cattlemen meeting as mm -hmm. well in Reno yeah and I wasn't able to make it but I heard great things so hopefully we'll see you more at our conventions and yeah yeah no that was that was a great uh, great opportunity uh, that was actually the first time I was invited to give a talk, you know, as an invited guest, a speaker, you know. It was really nice of Maureen to invite me, you know, to tell my story and you know, what I do and where I come from. Several students came up to me and said, hey, I really enjoy your talk. And that was really, you know, it was really nice. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, hopefully yeah. we can have you back soon. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. It's like we just had it. But when we start thinking about that, yeah. we'll give you a call. <laughs> well, I know you're talking the trade show this afternoon. What mm -hmm. will you be talking about there? So we're going to be at the Cattle Chat booth talking about what we do and uh, about our stories and what we, why we do what we do. Probably going to talk about, you know, cattle and climate. You know, that's, that's what I do. And so, yeah, I think it'll be a very casual, you know, conversation just in front of a crowd. If, if they come and they, if they're interested to hear us talk about our stuff. Yeah. I look forward to hearing yeah. you. But thank you so much for making time for this. And um, like I said, yeah, we'll look forward to keeping you around and Absolutely. being involved in the industry. Thanks for tuning into this bonus episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. You won't want to miss our next episode, which will give us a look into this legislative session for the first time with an update from CCA's Kirk Wilbur. He'll talk about the bills that were introduced by the February 17th deadline. And in our following episode, we'll have an exclusive conversation with Secretary of the California Department of Food and Ag, Karen Ross, as she comes on the podcast. Until then, happy trails.